Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. My guest on Talk Design today is Nitin Govala. Nitin is the Senior VP Asia Pacific Middle East and Africa for a large fabric company, well, a large company, let's just say, called Serge Ferrari. And while his background started in engineering, that's certainly not what he's doing today. He's running teams broadly across this massive region. And a lot for the for the architects that are on this call or that are listening in the audience, um, you can find some fascinating stuff because this is a lot about fabrication. And uh, I am very, very blessed to have you here. Nitin, thank you for being here, man. Really appreciate it. Um, Nitin's talking to us from Turkey today and I'm here in Australia. So Nitin, let's kick off with a little bit of background on, so you're, you, you started life in India and now you're in Singapore, but in that journey, you've been many other places. What, what was childhood like, um, you know, in India? What was, what was that kind of background? And then how did you bounce yourself from there to the next kind of level of what you did? Thank you, Andrea, uh, for having me on this show and uh, great uh, to be talking to you. So, yeah, it's true that my journey, obviously my life and my journey started in India. Um, my education was in uh, my initial part of my life was in the western part of India. Then my father uh, moved jobs or changed jobs. He moved to north of India, and then uh, till my schooling or till my end of schooling, I was uh, in Delhi. Oh. Um, I moved. I moved to an engineering college, which was uh, maybe three hundred kilometers further north of India, uh, north of Delhi also. Uh, so it's been in that area. Then. Um, uh, generally, in, after engineering in India, obviously, either you get into a good engineering firm, and I'm talking about 1990s, you know, early yeah. 1990s. Um, there were not so much, uh, I would say, um, opportunities in that sense. Uh, so you had a couple of very good engineering firms, or some some uh, of us used to go to the next path to, to go for a what we call as a management degree or management, um, sure. business management or two-year course. So I kind of opted for that. Um, and thereafter, my journey started with paints, uh, as you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a Jap. It was a Japanese uh, JV uh, Kansai Paints of Japan and a local um, Indian company, which is uh, number two in paints. Um, so in paints, you have decorative and industrial. Yes. So so they they had a very good position in industrial. They were number one and number two in decorative. So, and in my paints, obviously, in my paints journey, that's where my real journey started in terms of moving across India because India is also a big country with different yeah. cultures and things vary when you move from north to west to south. So I started in the one part of Western India, then moved to the central part of India. So that was my journey for five years. Again, uh, you know, starting as a management probationer, working on certain projects, then uh, being given a certain, as we call a branch to handle yes. with few sure. salespeople. Yep. And that's where the journey started. It certainly set um, you up uh, yeah. for uh, for what you do now, then, didn't it? Right from absolutely, absolutely. sort of right out of the shoot, they uh, somebody recognised that you had this ability to think broadly and be across a lot of things, and went, "Yeah, we'll send him out there and see how he goes." <laughs> yeah. In fact, that's what happened in my five years of the journey with Baines. Thereafter, I got a very interesting opportunity to move actually in a total different sector, which was dairy and food. Mm -hmm. um, so that was also very interesting to move in dairy and food to handle one edible oil brand. Uh, the company was uh, was and is still the largest uh, food and dairy company. They had their own food parlors. They were opening up as a new concept. So I was responsible also for that. But, you know, this is also the time where a lot of things changed across worldwide. You know, I'm talking about the end of 1990s and the mm -hmm. early 2000s. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of economies were opening mm -hmm. up. Uh, many things happened geographically, politically across the world. And that was the time I felt, um, I think what I did seven years back in my education, I needed a, you know, um, a, a real reset, I would say, if I may say so. So that I felt that I needed to do something, uh, study something different or expose myself to more an international working environment. Yeah, so right. I decided to take a break, which was a 
kind of a big thing, I would say, at that point of time. I was about to say, because uh, you're, you're pretty entrenched in, in this career path by then as well. You know, yes. like you're working for yes. big companies and the, and the ladder is in front of you and you can climb it at whatever speed you're prepared to go. So to, to Absolutely. take a break, to take a breath, like, and uh, go, I'm going to re yeah, reshuffle I mean, take, the cards. Take, yeah, leave the job, then obviously, uh, you know, pay yourself and go for an MBA. So I went to HEC Paris, which is one of the top universities to do a full-time MBA. And um, and that really exposed me. That was actually the first time I've ever left the shows of India in that sense as international wow. travel. So, right. so, 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 so that was uh, really very interesting and challenging enough. Uh, and obviously, it's not an English Anglo-Saxon country. I was about as to you say, know, you, yeah. you speak French now, on, and did you speak French then, or no? I did not then. I learned a little bit few months before traveling, but I picked it up as part of my course because we used we were supposed to learn French also, depending on what right. levels we are. Uh, but the curriculum was in English, and obviously, after I finished and during the MBA, um, there was a. I, I I had to do a project as part of my MBA. So I yep. got a very interesting project with a French company, Somfi, which is in mm -hmm. uh, home and uh, building automation. And it's still the world leader. Maybe it's around 1.5 billion euro. That time it was around 800 million euro. So it's still a very big company. And um, and they then they asked me to join, uh, you know, uh, full-time. So after I finished, I joined them full-time, moved to another part. So from Paris itself, to move to another part of France, which is in uh, in the mountains in Haute yes. Savoie, uh, so that itself was a different culture and everything. So there, obviously, you picked up the French much faster because you are in the environment and yeah. you're working there. And, so, and it's so survival technique yeah. as well, you know, like exactly. you, you learn exactly. to adapt to it. Yes, I must admit I've lived in France, but I didn't adapt to the language that quickly, mainly because so, my so wife speaks French. You don't have to. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> yeah. So I was there for four, four and a half years. Uh, then um, um, so moved out of uh, this, I would say, home and building automation, then to roofing. But my journey since 2003 has always been associated with French companies and French um, um, uh, building sectors. So it started with Somfi, then it was Onduline, which is in roofing. Um, uh -huh. And it was a very specific type of roofing in terms of made of waste uh, paper or uh, recycled paper. And we process it and we impregnate it with bitumen asphalt yep. to make a very lightweight roofing, uh, good for soundproofing, good for specific parts of the world where you have a lot of storms and you have a lot of leakages so it was very good waterproofing and and uh, acoustic um, a sound insulation product um, and uh, and thereafter so that was a journey for seven years handling asia pacific and uh, asia pacific and that's the reason i was in singapore so i moved to singapore since 2008 nice. and thereafter this opportunity came where i am now with search ferrari which is world leader in lightweight composite and mm. uh, materials and composite material may people may have different meanings but if i may explain it's basically fabrics and materials for starting from big structures which we call uh, stadiums airports shade sales and big shading structures or you may in, in the australian lingo you may call it shade sales car park yes. shades or yeah. for that matter yeah. uh, uh bowling uh bowling uh, bowling uh, bowling uh, greens uh, and stuff uh, like yeah, that bowling yeah. greens and everything yeah, yeah exactly anything so, where you're trying to maintain uh, a level of cover um, but without exactly. darkening the, 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 you know, all the yeah. properties of it and things like that. Yeah. So that was one market segment. Then we have another market segment, which is for blinds and awnings, yep. which again is a big market in mm -hmm. Australia. You have exterior solar mm -hmm. protection screens, which you put outside or interiors or awnings. Uh, then we have products for what we call industrial applications, like uh, event tents, uh, modular structures, sure. which can be used for uh, even like for, uh, I would say for holiday homes, right? I yeah. mean, resorts kind of things. Um, yep. um, and then um, then we have for biogas, for water storage uh, tanks. Uh, we also have uh -huh. uh, then fabrics for marine, for yachting applications, yes. for uh, cruise liners, for crew protection, marine equipment protection. Then furniture, again, which you see in, say, uh, if you go to resorts, exterior yes. furniture and interior furniture. So uh, this company, I mean, was very interesting transversal across different market segments. And at the same time, there were certain other geographies which got added to my scope, which was Middle East and Africa. So um, that made it very interesting and an interesting option to, to look at. 
uh, and yes, I've been now six years with them, still based in Singapore, but uh, traveling a lot. I was about Last to say years, yeah. Singapore might be called home, but um, I don't know how, whether you spend more than six months of the year there, do you? Probably not. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I mean, I have to kind of 50% uh, of the time, or yep. I would say 40%, I've been traveling. Yes, uh, and for, the other 60% you're there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For reasons of COVID, obviously, travels did not happen, but they have restarted again from yeah. November onwards. Yeah. I think the the thing with that also is, is um, you know, like Singapore is a beautiful central location to travel all through Asia, all through up to Europe, all those kind of things. It's a, it's a well-positioned space. You know, if it wasn't Singapore, it'd have to be somewhere in the Americas to do sort of a similar thing. Um, Absolutely. I mean, that's the, the, because in our kind of roles, the key element is to be able to travel. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that uh, you can, it's a small city country also, so you don't lose time when yeah. coming in, checking yeah. in or going um, to the airport. So you that's also the beauty of it. It's a couple of countries, you can do a day trip like Malaysia, even Thailand or Indonesia. Yeah, that, or you that can big do a countries trip, and yeah. you can be there in no time. Yeah, exactly, which is really exactly, good. And exactly. especially with the Middle East right there as well. Exactly. No, yeah, Middle close. East is six hours. Yeah, yeah, it's not so far in that sense. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, it's yeah. not like leaving Australia or New Zealand where you're going to travel for <laughs> yeah. 12 to kind of get anywhere. You know, that's, true, the, true, that's true. the difference. True, um, true. So obviously, you know, the engineering, but then the management, um, the management's the thing that you obviously have an amazing handle on because you wouldn't have got to where you've got to if you weren't any good at it. Um, and you're managing people or, or teams and countries through very diverse circumstances. I mean, very diverse economically, uh, as well as culturally, as well as religiously. As a, when, when you know, I think of the audience that, that listens and I'm thinking of the fact that there's people who have uh, plenty of architects that have uh, different countries they operate out of you know so they might be based in one and then operate in another or, or or do projects there how as a international management person i want to say senior executive that doesn't quite sound right but how is that how did you a learn the skills and then b um kind of embed them across that whole structure how did how did or, or what are your key tips around doing that would probably be the better thing? How do you read it and how do you manage it um, to get the best result? Because they keep giving you more. So obviously the results are working. Otherwise they'd be giving you less. You know, you'd find yourself with one little country <laughs> in the corner. True, 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 yeah. True. So, what, get, so give us some um, management yeah. kind of things on there. That'd be fascinating. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. And maybe my answer may sound cliched, but... I would say what I've realized is uh, two things. Um, I mean, one is to be observant and um, and that um, helps a lot, you know. And when I say observant is that for me, it's not about only in the work environment. So either where mm -hmm. I'm working, so when I moved to France or when I was doing this project with that company, uh, obviously you are there in that environment, you observe. But I also, one of the other elements which I'm able to really bring to the table is to be observant in the place you are living in also and and then when you and that's where you really understand the local culture and the local value system so there's an element which you will understand in a work environment but sometimes you know that it's conditioned right you have certain of kind course. of people there are certain behaviors which are expected in a company yep the but really the when you go got a culture yeah. in itself beyond the culture of the place the exactly. company's in yeah exactly exactly but when you are say living i was living in paris close to paris then mm -hmm. in ansi which is um, in the mountains or in uh, okay singapore is obviously not a big place to live but when i used to travel i always keep an evening or keep some time where i just walk around i'll go to a mall I'll um, go to a restaurant. I'll go and um, uh, meet uh, people, you know, and talk yep. to them and observe and walk around. You know, I prefer walking also going around. Then you see a lot of things. I mean, how shops run, uh, you know, what is going on um, in anything. How are people uh, how buying or doing things? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yep. One second. Can, can I just uh, yeah, for uh, sure. one second?
yeah sorry i'm back no um, no you're cool that's good this ha- yep, ha- no. housekeeping person yeah so so yeah so that way then um, it um, it helps them to uh, you you get a real feel i would say this is something sometimes i feel not many people do that often um oh, you I just think they get to the trip. hotel yeah. and they, yeah, exactly, they stay exactly, in there where it's comfortable they order their room service exactly. they don't leave the restaurant locally but when you get uh out on the street and see the behaviors of people that's when that's when you see something completely different i, I totally exactly. agree and, and and then you're able to correlate also with your team in that country because mm-hmm. you understand them better i mean mm-hmm. whether it's any discussion of working environment of um uh, the challenges in the country of other things so those are things um um you know you you learn that way so when i say observant for me it's a much bigger word than you know just uh, being just, in the environment yes yeah yeah, yeah. and think... it comes also with uh, openness to travel because you know i can do my work with all the dashboards and all the data and all the it systems we have where i can see all the reports and everything but really to be successful and uh, to be able to understand all these cultures you know whether it's a work environment whether it's an architect office whether it's um, uh, different uh, designers or people you're working and even for that matter customers um, you can only do so when you're traveling you're visiting their places you're visiting their offices uh, it it is a personal effort it's a personal sacrifice also to that extent but yeah. i think it's uh, it's very very important and um, and that has helped me a lot uh, definitely in that sense yeah I I think when you put yourself in the position where like you just said there it, it is a personal sacrifice that you do and take and with that what happens is is and I've traveled an awful lot with with business um people appreciate the fact that you that you make the effort even if it's not like you know hugely said they still appreciate that you make the effort that you're there in their culture and that you they get to um show you something of of you know where they are and i always think of the you know the number of times when you go out to dinner or when you go to meet somebody and that they're really culturally they they get to take you on their journey and then letting yourself be part of their journey is is yeah it builds relationships and relationships um can be built like this but they can also be built so much faster in person face to face um there's a different level to it and so when you've got with with all your teams clearly you've got you know like key people that you're dealing with all the time but then there's the 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 breakdown below that of that maybe your key contact but then there's the other people and i imagine um you know you have to do a million performance reviews or, or at least be a, across yeah, them all true yeah true. these kinds of things and then i imagine that there's there's almost like regional competition as well between different places um different countries to do better than other countries you know there's a bit of a pride in that i always think of uh the the fabric um polytech and in new zealand it was i think the whole of the whole of the world new zealand uh, or new zealand australia was something like you know 3% of their production or something but of that 3% it was 80% of the 3% was from new zealand mm. and because it's such a great outdoors nation and it used to always be one of those things that when we'd go and see people and we'd see polytech or molden mills it was um we'd go and see them even we were from new zealand we would get treated really well because on a per head capita of whatever we were buying we were massive compared to even big countries we didn't have the sure. overall volume you know but we had the the notoriety and so it was a real competition it was a yeah it was interesting so i imagine you get that as well and that keeps teams motivated um and aware of each other is yes that- so the the approach which i generally use is rather than um, you know pushing i would say competition yeah. but it's more of a collaboration which then ensures that people learn uh, and uh, from each other and do their best within their markets because um, numbers is one part of the story but our markets as i mentioned not only we are transversal mm. but within a country 
we may not be there in all the market segments or all the market segments of that country may not be interesting for us for various reasons yeah. it could be a very low end of the market or we may sometimes not have the right say specific product for a certain market so uh, i've realized that encouraging i mean pushing competition of numbers between countries it will will never help because each one it's at its own development phase each one it's working based on the accessible market as we measure mm -hmm. in terms of what we can do in that country or not but it's also to more to show that okay if this is the accessible market in a country in a certain market segment how have we done to reach a certain level where we are within a country yeah. which also then gives a more right kind of motivation rather than you know competition or uh, feeling bad about themselves that yes if uh, we also have a certain accessible market in our country we could also do we could also learn um so this is something i have encouraged we have monthly calls with key managers every month we also do kind of uh, we could not do physically but we used to do once or twice a year physical meetings uh, with the key managers and uh, where we meet at one of the countries and i always make it a point to move these meetings from one country to another because this is a, i'm really fascinated by cultures over the years you know so i always encourage other people also to come to say one regional meeting could be in china another yes. um, time could be it could in be india japan. could be in yeah, exactly. yeah, japan so, so or... they, they yeah so they experience also because they might not have done that any time in their lives so it's also kind of a good bonding time but also learning uh, the local culture and the and the local ways of doing things so this way it has um, helped me a lot in terms of and helped the region a lot and this is the spirit with which we uh, like we that. work uh, on a regular basis. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and it's not like, as say, it's not competition as to whose number is. It's actually collaborative competition. It's like how do we exactly. all lift each other up? And so, true, what you true. learn in one marketplace, you can test and measure in another marketplace. And you, you know, you can take experts from across a whole field of marketplaces and say, what would happen if we tried this with this though? You know, why wouldn't Absolutely. this path work the same? Um, uh, that's a, you know, it's an innovation approach to business, a collaborative innovation approach to business. True, true, great. true, true, um, true, true. Tell me with architecture and, and fabric. So go from big to small. Tell me, you know, like big architecture with fabric and small architecture with fabric. And I, I mean, small we'll get to, but start with the big, start with some, some stuff that blows our mind. That would be really fun. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, when I talk about we we classify them as tensile architecture because yes. those are big applications where the fabric has to remain and retain its uh, you know uh, tension. Otherwise, you know, I mean, you see a stadium today or a big um, inflated um, structure today, but if it sags, you will not like it, right? Because <laughs> people people not people are for purpose. <laughs> exactly, people are used to fixed structures. So when you look at it. Obviously, it's all we are talking about stadiums and airports. Yeah. And just to give a recent example, like Qatar World Cup is going to happen in a couple of, I mean, it will start in October this year. Yeah. Out of the seven stadiums which have been built new, only two were non-fabric or non-membrane structures. Five were, um, uh, sorry, uh, yeah. So five uh, were the membrane structures. And all five have been done by our company or our company products, both inside and outside. Yep. with the uh, various uh, designs and in fact one stadium which would be i will draw your attention to is called the albite stadium which How is actually made a l a l and uh, dash yep. uh, b a y t t for mm. thailand albite okay and the interesting part of this design of the stadium is that they have made it like a bedouin like a middle east tent oh wow in terms of in terms of the color yeah. and in terms of the inside so so the way it was done was outside is a is a fabric made of what we call as ptfe made of glass fibers because yes. of the uh, fire norms which were needed inside uh, what we have done is that the the if you go to a middle east end it's that you know the red and black color mixed yes. design yes uh, so that has been actually done uh, in a form of fabric and it is an acoustics fabrics which we designed it from zero, meaning we yeah. actually uh, made the design and then instead of, we did not color it. In fact, we actually made the yarns in that color and the yarns were woven in that pattern. It's a big, big stadium. Uh, and then those have been put inside the, uh, the, the first membrane, which is on the outside. 
and they would put inside the ceiling and it covers the whole stadium so when you look at it you would feel that you are sitting inside a bedouin stadium wow. so not only it provides the color element and aesthetic elements it also provides the acoustic part because it's an acoustic fabric so it actually absorbs or uh, it does not reflect back the sound so in yeah. a big uh, uh, you know stadium when a world cup match is going on so so that would be a unique i would say an experience i was obviously i would also like to visit it i just visited when it was in the stages of construction uh-huh. uh, uh, i've not been able to go uh, recently Since but it's been uh, finished yeah, yeah. yeah so so uh, so that is something where you said in terms of i would say very iconic uh, thing but then there are many stadiums like even expo which is going on in dubai sure. now yeah. uh, nearly 18 19 pavilions have been done by our fabric whether on the outside as facades yes. whether on the inside um, uh, whatever the it's design that country uh, yeah yeah whatever so, the country decided so. so when you do that fabric for the um for the stadium where it was um yarn dyed as such so it was yes, yarns yes. were dyed and then it was it, it's a woven fabric it's not yes. a knitted fabric so it's a woven fabric and this, um, this one was a specifically was a woven one yeah uh, then uh, the membrane is a different one where you so the woven means that you weave it and then you extrude the yarns yes. and then you weave them in that sense the other process which is normally followed is that you actually weave the yarns and then you do the coating you know right. so yes, so, gotcha. the, so the yep. outside yeah yeah so yep. the, the outside membranes would be more or less like that the coatings could be a ptfe coating which is you do a specific coating on a glass yarns yes and then you have uh, which are which are less uh, i would say risky areas from the government norms point of view in terms of fire norms then it would be polyester yarns coated with pvc gotcha. so so it depends on uh, the, the kind of application and the kind of uh, norms that particular country or city may have so this uh, brings me to something that i'm i it's sparked a thought in my head um i think it was either bmw or mercedes benz who did some cars where they um a fabric wrapped cars have you seen that is it no i, I, I think am yeah like i'd i'd have to have a i'll have a look and i'll send you something if i can find it absolutely but i absolutely. i remember seeing a a shell of a car that was actually um fabric coated and it it could move and shift and again there's no reason why it wouldn't be fine for a car um you know i mean it, there's so many things like we 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 put well vinyl wraps on cars these days and you know that uh better for stone chips they're better for all these things so again another way of looking at the future with um with the architecture side of it how do people learn like where teaches people like where teaches them how to use these fabrics and how to um design the structure is it is it you know draw a crazy picture and then sit with an engineer and then try and get everybody in the same room or is there some sort of like training base that happens what what happens with that how do people learn so, to be a specialist yeah. in this area so there are many elements to it i would say i mean part of it is obviously proven history mm-hmm. so obviously when you're looking at a stadium and an airport the firms or the architects who are working on it generally would have an eye on what has been done in the past generally you know i You'd mean so, even if, yeah <laughs> yeah even if they obviously they will be their creativity uh, themselves and then the other things which we as a company do and it may vary from uh, different companies but being the leader we 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 are doing it at various fronts uh, so we have people in every country uh, who are also kind of specifiers who would obviously be meeting architects as part of their role and jobs and architect firms and people also know about that so they will meet the relevant people in these firms make a presentation of our product and applications mm-hmm. and pro, uh, past projects that's one way uh, obviously catalogs and um, and uh, email uh, is another way uh, we participate in lot of business uh, expositions it could be exhibitions it could be uh, presentation talks and other events where we go and represent ourselves we present about our products which is to an captive audience of um, architects uh, we may do specific uh, lunch type meetings with um, with architect firms where we present uh, to their uh, to their groups um uh, we are also uh, present ourselves on certain platforms where the architects and the suppliers come together 
where you can uh, demonstrate your product which these are virtual uh, platforms digital oh, platforms okay. which are becoming yeah. Yeah. Uh, more and more common now and obviously on social media uh, we have different handles on twitter um, uh, facebook and linkedin where we keep on and updating about our projects and everything yes. yeah yeah with that so if somebody has the um you know has the desire to create a, a building that uses a whole lot of um your fabric and and it is relatively new to them um would they would they reach out to a distributor first that would be like they'd look at Serge ferrari and then they go to okay well this is the kind of fabrics that could be used and then um go from there and the distributor would then link them to whoever knows the next piece of knowledge, et cetera, et cetera, or they would, I'm just trying to think of the path of it. Um, Cause it's got me thinking of, of things like um, how, how do you use these fabrics? Uh, I'm, I'm currently working on a project where it's an office and I'm going, so I could use these, I use a fabric like this through part of my ceiling and I could also project onto it as well, yes, but yes, I can have yes. a ceiling that's got all kinds of shapes through it. So it's very yes, fluid um, yes. and exciting for people to work in, you know, something that, and then I go, okay, so I mean, I'd ask you, but then you're kind of the top of the tree. There's somebody down, down, no, down so, further down that I'd, I'd be talking. You'd be saying, Adrian, you don't need to talk to me. You need to talk to this guy. No, 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 absolutely. I mean, it wouldn't be my pleasure to speak to you. And in fact, uh, if you need to have that discussion further, we have a local manager based out of Gold Coast. Actually, I can ask him to meet up okay. with you on, on, yeah. that, on that point. Uh, but coming to that point, so normally what happens is actually, generally we would see that if the architect is already so there could be different phases in the design yeah okay there's a project the architect is still thinking about okay what different materials i need to use okay so that could be one point so in that sense they would generally architects will contact the companies i would right. i have not yeah. seen that they would go to a distributor or a seller or a manufacturer they will contact a company because only through the company they could know what are the different kinds of materials What's and fabrics and what purpose. options yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. options could be possible so that's that's very common uh, if obviously they have already decided in their mind that this is my design or this is my couple of designs and i am i would use a fabric then it's much easier for them they would uh, obviously in that sense they will contact the company and much more a company like us because we have proven history because they would know from the pre past yeah. projects and that so what happens in that sense when they contact us one of our sales um, or specification manager as we say will visit them will have a chat with them in terms of to understand what they're looking for if the design is already done and it's more a question about helping them in fabric selection depending on what they need it's it's a much simpler and an easier discussion mm -hmm. but if they also are looking for okay i have certain shapes in mind i have certain things in mind and which kind of specific product can be there then what we do is our local management will bring in our product managers from head office yeah uh, which are based in france uh, and uh, and they could work much more closely with them to you know to to help them do that mm. if they need also help further on designing sometimes because uh, they may have a concept design right i always say that um, uh, it's our also our role to feed into their imagination and that's the element the fabrics bring into that then what we do is we might work with a outside designer who may have access to this software or with one of the manufacturers or companies who have done in the past some big uh, stadium projects so we bring them and we go along with them to the architect who says you know i'm looking at a couple of designs my main theme for example is this what i want now this information this company will feed into that software and come up to them that okay this is what can be done or maybe this is something where it it is not possible to do and they will again give a concept design maybe much more detailed design in that yeah. sense yeah and uh, and then that moves the direction or the decision uh, making uh, forward or the discussion forward mm. so that's the way uh, it it happens now this is obviously for complex um, projects and big projects yeah. Um, yeah in in a case like yours for sure you will still uh, contact the company through the website and everything now everything is digital so any request you put on this it comes to the right person that person will come to you okay uh, if it's um, if it's a small yeah. office big office or if you're looking to do the whole building 
Yeah. Uh, with blinds, uh, then again the same concept follows. Yeah. But in blinds and acoustics, uh, or inside ceiling, there's not too much of a design element per se. But uh-huh. if there is a if there's something more you want to do, like for example, we have an acoustic fabric where if you have lighting, you can envelop that lighting with that acoustic fabric, so it does not strike your eye. It 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 is part it, of the beauty of the meeting room or the office. This and is at what the same I, time you you make a very comfortable uh, space yeah. for people, not only based on light and heat, but also an acoustic element, which which is something I've been pushing a lot last few years that. When we talk about office, people only look at light and heat or yes. the, or yeah. the, uh, the, the temperature. temperature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But less people talk about sound and acoustics mm-hmm. in a, in a, in mm-hmm. a space. So, so this is what a fabric can do. You can project it. You can even print on it. So for example, you have a wall, you want to do your branding. You can yes. actually make a fabric wall and print on it. Nobody will know about it, but at the same time, it serves the purpose of sound absorption or not reflecting back the sound and making this uh, space which i differentiate always bad noise and good sound you know yes. in that sense because 100%. Uh, what you you are not looking for a soundproof recording room right you're looking no. for a place where if all of us are sitting we can hear each other and understand each other a hundred percent i think um you know like if we look at the hospitality industry as well the failure of many restaurants is the fact that we love open kitchens um, we love those things, but we end up with a lot of noise. And um, that that we, I've got a really good friend, um, Kelly Vandermerwe, who is a uh, he designs hospitality spaces, and he says, you know, you sit down in a restaurant, and he said you do want to just be able to hear the conversation next door. Exactly. But no, true, not. True. Not so that you have to strain to hear it. You just want just a little bit of it. True, Even if you true, can't make true. out what they're saying, what it does is it actually makes you feel connected to community. Um, and it's like, you know, you do want to be able to see their their food arrive. You, know, you want true, those true. things. You want to hear the way to sell them the specials, these kind of things. But what happens in a lot of them, the noise is so elevated that you're struggling to hear the person across the table. And, you know, fabrication is is massive in that area and and textile has the ability to do so much with it. Yeah, we we design houses these days, uh, especially here in Queensland with masses of glass, which, you know, gives us um, heat issues, you know, that we have to manage. And then not only that, it's a hard reflective surface. So we we end up with sound bouncing around it'd be bouncing around yes, yes yeah yes, exactly and yes. it accelerates as it bounces around and it is and all these things and where great textiles can help us control that um it's a i think it's a really fascinating part of a conversation as to silence or or, or or noise sorry noise is our one of our biggest pollutants that we have the least True. amount of control over um, absolutely absolutely yeah, you, and not so much attention is paid on this. I oh, even even being in Singapore, I see now the only element now which developers or the uh, National Environmental Agency is focusing on is um, you know space is less in Singapore, yep. right? You have balconies which yep. are now s- sold as usable space. Yep. So in that sense, when you so sell it as usable space, they need to put blinds which are not only giving you privacy but also kind of blocking a bit of sound and that's yes. where now we see some of the products which uh, we are able to sell or being uh, pushed by our partners there uh, but even if you go to an open mall you go to a food court you go to even a very nice high-end restaurant the same issue of uh, really bad noise that yeah i mean noise. you're going for a dinner you're going for a nice evening with someone or or a group of people and if you cannot even talk or hear each other it it defeats no the whole uh, yeah yeah it's, it defeats the whole purpose but i think people spend a lot of money on furniture and lighting but and and sometimes i would say even less money when it comes to quality of blinds uh, and yeah. this but if they if they put a little bit effort on blinds and also on acoustics i and in fact our acoustic products are so that you can use it as blinds. In fact, some of our right. blinds. So it's got a material, dual purpose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As a good, very alpha value of 0.45 or 0.6 or uh, 0.65, which is one of the highest in the industry. So yep. you can use that for printing, for hanging it, for uh, for even you can make as a, a hanging base as part of the interior design that 
people will not even realize that they are serving a dual purpose also that uh, of the of the acoustic absorption uh, element also frankly yeah. i think this is brilliant and i think the other thing with that is is that we tend to put a lot of soft furniture and stuff around at you know something around waist height maybe a little higher and so we are relying on a room that's got two thirds of its volume above that height um, to soak up noise, and it's not designed to soak up noise. Oh, yes. And we, and that's where we need to soak it up. And I, I think that, you know, the the fact of acoustic fabrics, but especially when they can do something else as well, like if they can be a ceiling lining, or if they can be a blind, or if they can be something like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially when you get into things like you said with stadiums and big spaces. Um, I, I, I have a classic example where my daughter goes swimming sometimes and it's a covered pool. And seriously, you don't want to sit in there because the noise is you've got water and then you've got these hard surfaces and the noise is just horrific. It's uh, actually on that example, we have many projects done in New Zealand yep. where in swimming pools and in Japan, they have covered the ceiling with this acoustic fabric and it has been proven by the acoustician of the reverberation sound, it dropped by nearly 75%. Wow. Uh, so, so, and it is a proven case study. I can send you a full presentation on that, where in uh, across, uh, there have been four or five projects in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, th there was netball uh, covered yep. stadium, there were swimming pools, and same thing in Japan, some school gyms, uh, uh, schools uh, closed and closed uh, gym areas, and also swimming pools. And even in France, it's a very key part because swimming pools, people don't realize there's so much noise actually. There is so much noise. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's um, the noise pollution and the amount of noise that happens in a swimming arena is incredible, um, yes. and 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 very unrestful. You know, but it, it adds a lot of um, uh, of stress to the subconscious when it's overly noisy. I love that. I love that piece about acoustic fabrics and then how to use them um, cleverly into homes, into you know, like. You think of even in bedrooms of being able to use acoustic fabrics, so it just brings that decibel level down to something that's more restful. Um, you know, as humans, we we seem to be on an ever never-ending quest for more rest and more tranquility, um, and it, I think a lot of it's to do with noise pollution. I think it's yeah, True. absolutely, absolutely. Um, so tell me to finish off. Tell me a couple of things that we're going to. Uh, that's kind of we don't know about yet, but are going to happen uh, with fabrication. Is there, is there some things there that we should be going? Oh, look, you know, three years ago I heard this, and uh, there it is. There's this stuff. What's the? Where's the industry heading um, in the architectural sense? Where's it heading, and what sort of things will we see that we haven't seen before? So I think uh, more and more we see a trend towards non-combustible or uh, products and fabrics mm -hmm. with a higher uh, fire rating and yep. um, and that's a definite trend we are seeing it's already happening in big structures uh, but again it may, may vary from uh, uh, from the type of a country you know more advanced countries are sure. much faster in that um, and the developing countries obviously the cost also increases so that's mm -hmm. one element uh, you see more and more uh, people asking okay what kind of raw materials are being used now even if you're using pvc like you know um, mm -hmm. Uh, uh, we we have uh, certain products which are best practice PVC certified in Australia, right. which means that it it does not mean that you cannot uh, every PVC is bad, but it's just that the process which is followed from the raw material side till the final uh, end uh, there is a process which is followed and it's uh, and it's uh, so it would took two three years for us to get that uh, approval in Australia like a certification so yeah yeah exactly so we see more and more on that so that's one element of that. Maybe in the future, some countries will take much more lead to say, okay, PVC itself, I don't want any PVC in the products, you know. So uh -huh. you are seeing that trend also. We So we also have PVC-free, more of water-based products also, which, uh, which then um, are coming in that sense. Recycling is a common uh, question which is being asked that, are you are you end to end a lot yes. like we call cradle to cradle okay. nowadays yeah. cradle to cradle yeah. Yeah. So, yeah yeah so so those kinds of certifications are being expected what can we do of the fabric say even now stadiums obviously the life is 30 years 40 years if after that you want to use uh, the fabric can it be reused can it be recycled um, some applications uh, more and more 
either uh, there are buildings or commercial establishments which have lead ratings those kinds of things mm -hmm. then they will ask what is going in the raw material even for blinds even for other applications yep. so this is uh, this is definitely a trend you see this is where the is, future uh, is coming which yeah. is which is happening i would say one future trend but it varies from parts of the world uh, which is already prevalent in uh, europe but more and more you see about outdoor living Yes. And outdoor uh, solar protection. Yes. Australia is nothing new to that. You no. you are already aware of it. But I see that in Southeast Asia, even in China or other parts where people are saying outside space also, I want a nice, uh, comfortable living space. So it could mean you may have a pergola, you may have a blind, you may have even an awning. Um, what kind of material are you using in that? Uh, how about uh, when you have something put on the outside? how it protects your building in terms of energy consumption in terms yes, of this so products uh, yep. uh, products which can prove your question when we were chatting before we started this about the uv part about the heat part those and more and more even in big structures even with uh, outside homes or outside buildings and how it's benefiting the building in terms of energy consumptions yep. those are being expected more and more from us uh, either to be able to provide analysis directly ourselves or work with a consultant uh, to do that. I, I, um, I think of yeah. things like, you know, brands like say Prada or Chanel or something like that. And none of them yet have built a, have, have clad a building in fabric. Um, yet this is the future, you know, like and that, that fabric could be over another structure, but it could be a piece of couture. And it could be yes. a piece of couture yes. like they're famous for. Um, and it could have movement in it. It could do all those things. Um, just purely by its nature. And then you start to get really excited about what, what could happen. And if it uh, is protecting the occupants, obviously like um, physically, as well as like um, from heat, from um, UV, from uh, pollution, from, and, and from noise, you go, this is a, a very like incredible time to be going, well, what could we do with a tent essentially? Like what could a tent true, really true, become? True. Mm, fascinating conversation and, and there are other things which we are doing actually uh, and we see that uh, two i would say i would i we call them not the standard applications yep one is uh, biogas yes uh, more and more structures from concrete are moving to fabrics and we have a specific fabric for that where the degradation because of the methane and the ammonia and all those things which are created uh, they don't degrade the fabric and the output of the energy which is created or electricity which is generated through the through the waste uh, yep. is um, is is quite uh, good so that's one thing which is happening and more and more i mean as countries are going towards the uh, you know the energy uh, saving or zero uh, sure. yep. uh, net zero or net those zero. climate uh, yep. elements yeah uh, they they have more and more countries are pushing on that and the other element which we've recently taken initiative is fish farming you know we've developed a fabric where you could do big uh, fish uh, fish cages we are doing couple of them in norway i mean uh, these cages yep. could even cost more than a couple of million euros but then uh, it's for salmon the quality yeah. of salmon which you get out of it because how the water is uh, bad water is removed and the good water is poured in and uh, and it's not uh, polluting anything because you can yep. just put it inside the water or you could have another way to put it on land these are maybe the future ways to increase the output of seafood which is getting itself uh, depleted in some parts of the of world course. and, yeah, to, and to have a good and a good quality of seafood for people because today everybody talks about okay whether this fish comes from which kind of water of you course. know there could be a yeah. lot of lead and everything and uh, other yep, elements lot of that. Pollutants, so, plenty so, of pollutants so these are a couple of initiatives we've taken um, in our company and uh, as a company uh, We've taken that, which not many companies have, also in that direction. Uh, I would I think say it's yeah. amazing, amazing. Well, what a what a what a wonderful chat, and so much that uh, I, I think there's other subjects there that we could come back and talk about specifically about some subjects, um, because to take on you know something like the the stadium piece and talk about you know sort of almost like an end to end sort of discussion on what it takes to do that. Um, would be pretty fascinating. And, you know, it, it's part of this new, not even new technology, it's probably the oldest technology, if anything, tents, um, but it's part of a, a reinvigorated and growing technology that can take us somewhere. I think it's 
Really fantastic. Nathan, awesome chat, man. I really, really appreciate your time. Um, I know you're a busy guy and making time for it. That was really brilliant. We will post this with all the information that we've got on the company, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there are some photos that they've shared already, but I'm going to ask if we can get some photos of the I can stadium. give it to you, yes. Yeah, yes, that would yes, be really yes, cool yes, because yes. Uh, we put those on the website. We use them in social media as well. And it would be really fascinating for people to be able to dig a little further into this. Um, and yeah, again, totally appreciate you making the time, man. Really, really good. And when you're here in Australia, absolutely, I will. I will contact sure. you. So uh, yeah, I'm coming in July. And Adrian, thanks a lot for inviting me. This was a great discussion. Uh, thank you for your very insightful questions. Because obviously, sometimes it makes us and me think also. Because you know, when we are in the job, we don't take a step back. Sometimes you know, so it always helps us to do that yeah, as i pleasure. said um i will connect you with uh, greg uh, his name is greg goldblatt he's based yep. in um uh, uh you know gold coast so i'll connect yep. with you uh, him with you and in fact he could be also the person for you to get all the information of different projects and images because he would have a direct uh, element of that and he's been talking to architects also in 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 across australia so so thank awesome, you again man. for uh, uh, inviting me and thank you for your time and thank you. i know it's been a little bit uh, uh, scheduling issues but oh, finally we got about it uh, when yeah, you yeah, travel uh, as much as you do there's going to be scheduling issues <laughs> so great great speaking with you and look forward to meeting you definitely in july if, uh, if i'm able to travel to australia yeah thanks a lot. thank you thank richard's magic arrows is brought to you by the architect marketing institute clean simple sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, let's say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you, you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.